Welcome to Talk 30 to Me, a show where we talk about the perspective of 30-somethings on life. My kid is an asshole. Love. Did I tell you about the girl? twice in a week. And the never-ending pursuit of fulfillment. My name is Anthony, but most people just call me Turd. And I'm Randy Z. Let's start the show. So I had this journal entry that I wrote the other day, and it started off with this one line. I thought it was very profound, but it wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> trying to be profound. I was really kind of down on myself. When are, when are you not trying to be profound? Never. So, not never, not ever, not ever. <laughs> yeah, I started by saying how many lessons can be learned within the span of a single day, and then I followed that up with apparently quite a few. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, I think this was a week ago. I was sitting. And yeah, I think last week I was sitting in the um, Buddha center and I was practicing the 37 bodhisattvas and I caught two things caught my eye and I've, I've recited these things probably over a hundred times in the past three months, which isn't a lot. If you think about it, these are the foundational practices for Buddhism teach you how to be a good person. That's all it really boils down to. There's this one that says... I mean, that's arguably religion's role in society. Okay. okay. We'll get Sorry. there. All right. Because it's... A little, a little early? A little early? My no, bad. Not Am early I jumping in? Okay. I've never been good at double Dutch, so I don't, I don't know. You weren't supposed to come in yet. Excuse me? You tripped up on the jump rope, man. <laughs> so um, I think loosely translated, this goes to... Um, look at the holistic view of what you should, how you should approach conversations or how you should approach relationships, I guess, or interactions with people. Okay. And it starts off by saying to speak, not of the faults of those who've gone into the great vehicle is what bodhisattvas do. Okay. That's kind of like a paraphrase, my own paraphrase. I didn't want to write the whole fucking thing out. It was a long one to speak not of the faults of those who've gone into the great vehicle. Now I view the great vehicle, not as just Buddhism. And I don't think that that's what it intends. I think the meaning behind the great vehicle is life. Okay. Um, consciousness because sentience is very much a foundation of Buddhism, right? Being cognizant of the world around you. Okay. And when I experienced this, sitting there i don't know why and i've like i said i've gone over this hundreds of times um for some reason this finally clicked and i think it was because of an interaction i had with my wife and you know she kind of got upset with me because i said something that didn't really sit well with her in that time which I, time um i don't remember exactly what we were doing but it was something and she was really stressed out and i just had to add fuel to the fire and i felt like poking the bear a little bit you know do that from time to time. And for people that don't know, that's what he calls his wife. Yep. Bear. She is bear. And I don't know why I felt it necessary to say what I said, but I said something and it, she didn't take it very well. And I guess it came, it came off to her as hurtful. And it was mainly highlighting a fault of hers. And, you know, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to say married couples do this all the time. I have a tendency of doing this primarily because it's my way of getting out of certain things. Wait, well, okay. A, you light a fire to to find an exit. Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't know how that makes any sense. It does. It does. It's a distraction, essentially. Yeah, it's all kind it of. Yeah. So, you're an illusionist. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, 
<laughs> not not to be dismissive of that comment because that was, I guess, a form of uh, flattering comment. But <laughs> I, I think when I reflected upon this, I think I summarized it as to hang on to faults and afflictions and judging other people is just not right. But why do we do it? Foundationally speaking, from a religious standpoint, not even a religious standpoint, from a morality standpoint, why do we judge others? Are you asking me or are you, you know, posing a question? Um, Both. Okay. I mean, our listeners could engage, but so I'm, why do we I'm judge you because you're here right now. Okay. I just thought you were going to go somewhere with it and I was going to jump in and, and you're like, no, 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 it was hypothetical. <laughs> I already had already. the answer. Oh, rhetorical. Thank you. Damn you, poor double dutching bastard. <laughs> I think we judge because it's a way of coping um, with people that have the audacity to do things that we wish we could do. Right? Okay. Like they have, they have so much... Uh, courage. It could be courage or just lack of like caring about what the implications of their actions will have uh-huh. not so much in a in a negative sense i'm talking like people that just kind of go out there with wearing socks with flip-flops because they don't give a shit you i know guess I mean? it could be both yeah the duality of uh, i i think you know it's just like uh why 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 would you do such a thing and this other person just like give, gives no fucks about what you think i'm just gonna live my life how i see fit or you know, just, you know convenience or whatever the case is i think that's why we judge it's our way of saying, like, I wish I could do something so reckless and not, not maybe and be okay with it. it I, I can, I can kind of see that. It's like, well, why? Uh, uh, the other part of it is frustration, too, maybe with yourself or the other person. Mainly with self. I think it has to do a lot with self. Yeah, I think it has a lot to do with self too. It's funny you bring that up because I just finished reading. Um, I cannot say her name, but Lovey's book, "I'm Judging You," which is an interesting book of talking about. Uh, Things that people do and and why she judges people for certain things. It's, it's mainly like, you know how to live your life manual kind of deal. It was it was funny commentary how she did things, but that's a lot of it comes into you know why are you doing this or what to expect or what you shouldn't be doing and you know it's just bringing to light different conversations, different things that we've talked about or that have been talked about by many people, and just sharing a new perspective. But the the, the root of it all was in I'm judging you. And you should know that I'm judging you. And I know it's only reserved for uh, big guns upstairs, but I don't care because I'm still going to judge you, Mm. you know, and just kind of owning that idea. You know, for her, none of it seemed to be rooted in like this. uh, I wish I could do that or I wish I did this or I wish, you know, she very boldly accepted her, her faults and her, her shortcomings and still, you know, I don't care. You know, I still think this. And if you do it this way, I'm judging you kind of do. I thought that was kind of a, Another take because in in her in, in that instance I don't see it as you know oh she really wishes that she could be doing X Y and Z or you know she's just hating on people that are doing you know whatever she just doesn't like it it's not for her but she also makes it known that it's not for her right and the one pointing thing that I think we can take out of that is the fact that you have to own it right and we've talked about that often owning your truth. I guess in your 30s, it's a struggle. It's more of a journey to get there. You can't just wake up one day and turn that on. Yeah, I own it. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't happen. And I think with me, it had a lot to do with the foundational um, upbringing. And I guess we always go back to that, the origin story of where things came from and why we are the way we are, right? And a lot of 30, I feel, is one great big reflection because we've alluded to this in prior episodes 
the old man in the in the locker room or the old woman. Oh, yeah. The old balls. Yeah, the old balls. The people who just don't give a fuck. Yeah. How do they get to where they're at? And I think, hear me out. I think that the 30s, the, the period in your 30s has a lot to do with that. It plays a lot into uh, self-reflection, self-identification, and understanding who you are and owning that so that when you get to your 40s, 50s, and, and beyond, it's just, this is who I am, and yeah. that's what it's going to be. So essentially, 30 is another foundational decade, but it's the foundation for self worth so to speak so you know if your 20s are just trying to figure out who you are what your likes where you stand your 30 is really just digging into what those are to set up for you know well, no this is this is just who i am now and if that if you don't get fuck with that then there's the door kind of deal here's another take on your 20s okay memories how often do we reflect on our 20s with uh, this aura of fondness always Except for 23. 23 fucking sucked. <laughs> I think I have to agree with you there. Um, but 20s, and lately I've been, I don't know why, walking down memory lane a lot in the 20s and just thinking, wow, you know, we'll never be able to do that again. I don't know if other people can relate. I don't know if you can relate. But I guess my wife and I, in our current situation with two kids and not a lot of, I guess, overwhelming, overwhelmingly available support, it's difficult. To yeah. look upon those years where we could just literally get in the car and go away for a weekend. And now getting in the car takes about seven hours. <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, I I can't relate to that because I'm still in the phase uh, of right. I can, you drop of the hat, be in another. So, but is there anything different? I, this is this is what I was going to get into. Okay. On Sunday, I, I met with some friends that were in town visiting. We went to Perch out in LA, right? I love that place. Yeah, it's pretty dope. We had missed a jazz band, but we were there for um, like a round of drinks and then happened to be like, okay, where's the next spot? Because it wasn't like people were really, really just like lounging and I wasn't feeling in a lounging mood. Uh, went up online. I'd, I'd always seen the Broadway bar when I'm walking by it. I've never gone in it. Okay. So I just happened to look at what they were doing that night. Uh-huh. It was a Sunday night. They had a reggae party. Interesting. And it was free. And so I was like, yeah, let's just walk there. It's only like six blocks. That was also a bad decision. Uh, Should have just taken the lift. (laughs) It's like three, four dollars. Yeah. So we get there and man, you know, you you can't hear reggae music. Like those bass lines, they just make you want to move. Right. And so we're there. Probably got there around maybe 10, 30, 11. We're there till two. I was just danced the whole time. Really? Yeah, it was nuts. And I only had the entire night. I probably had like five cups of water and maybe two drinks. Wow. Um, yesterday, I did not wake up until 1.30. I woke up, had breakfast, and then went back to sleep. Like, I was just drained. I was just tired. Breakfast? Yeah. At 1.30? No, no, no. Breakfast was like at 9. And oh, okay. I went back to sleep yeah. until 1.30. And, and woke up. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say. It's lunch. Yeah. But I just I just could lunch. not get up yesterday. I, I was just tired. I was drained. So would you do it again, though? Yeah, probably, but not for a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so you're spreading these out. I, I can't, I can't m- miss a whole day like that. Like yesterday, I barely woke up in time to uh, build my shelves and then, you know, take care of my succulents and then go back to bed. Don't fuck with a man in a succulent. <laughs> you just wanted to work that in there so we could use it as a title. And that is not going to be the title of this episode. So getting back to foundations. Yeah. Okay, and what's changed and origins? We're going to hit on the family and the origin of why we are the way we are. But we're going to spin it in this sense. Okay. Since I started with religion, 
Okay. We're going to kind of jump into religion and talk about why. Okay. Because religion plays a very foundational role in who we are as a person, whether or not we actually adhere to it. Mm-hmm. So for you, and I'm, I'm going to use this loosely because I think it's going to be kind of hard to get into it in depth, but very high level, family and religion, where does that come in? Family and, and religion. How far back can you trace it? I mean, my grandmother wore Jesus pieces. So she had this huge medallion with actually the, the Virgin Mary on it. But that's as far back as I go. But, and then my my father's mother, she does her prayers every day. Catholic? Three times a day, yeah, different prayers. But then we also have this mix of, uh, you know, I don't know if it's if it's Mexican or if it's more native, but it's, you know, the Ojo de Venado, which is the Buckeye, which is supposed to protect you from greed and envy. Uh, so clean, like relics? Kind of. And then, you know, being cleaned with an egg. Which sounds, it sounds crazy, but if you're Mexican, you know what I'm talking about. And that gets rid of like all the ojo, which is all like the bad stuff, bad juju in your life. The eyes. Eyes that are on you and like wishing bad things on you. Uh, in, in my culture, it has a lot of the same thing. We have that, uh, the all knowing eye, I think. Interesting. Is it like this little like brown? No. Oh no. Mine's brown and black. It's turquoise. Oh, interesting. No. That's, yeah, that's the Middle Eastern part of it. And I think it that whole region mediterranean region they believe in much the same thing i don't know if it goes to greece italy but i, I believe i believe it's wide widespread wider than i originally thought thought it was limited to just the arabic culture but that's very interesting that you mentioned that i didn't uh i didn't know that you guys had something similar i thought you were gonna razz me right now for saying it i didn't think you were gonna relate to it that's funny no i grew up with my, my mom actually kept one in the car Really? And um, when I totaled my Beamer in college, 2006 or seven, yeah, something like that. I think it was 2006. I had one in the in the Beamer, and I she told me to get rid of it. She was like, "It's exhausted. It's it's use right now. It's no longer good. Throw it away." Yeah. I was like, "What? What? Like, what yeah. does that mean? Like, how can a relic?" be yeah. used up but apparently you can uh, i have a story man i don't know if i want to tell this one just because i know my parents listen but it's so bad <laughs> do it my first my first all the banana which is supposed to protect you right and so i kept it on me at all times and i wore it as a necklace like remember that little nut i used to wear in my chest no i don't think i, did. I used to kind of keep it under my clothes but i always yeah. had it on me yeah. it was it was made of my fraternity brothers we like they'd flip it and hit my face like a nut on your chin means a dick in your mouth anyway um, <laughs> uh, so I, I, ha- I had that thing from you know from high school all the way through college. Leave it to fraternity guys to right. something significant. <laughs> and uh, I had hooked up with this girl, and I was reckless. I didn't use any protection, and I was thinking about like, oh, that was so stupid. What I do that the next day, that shit broke, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> it's a sign. I know, right? You uh, just you used it up, and I got another one. Yeah, I let to it have go. a kid. Yeah, exactly. It saved you from having a kid. Yeah. Birth control. Yeah. Smart. Right. So and my grandmother gave me another one. She's like, don't be so dependent on it, but keep it with you. So now I just keep it at the house. She knows. Yeah. She, yeah. My, I mean, my grandma also gave me a sex talk. That was that was not awkward at all either. Being serious? Not awkward at all? Uh, no, I'm being facetious. Like It was okay, awkward not, as shit. Yeah. Figured. I didn't see the sarcasm in your eyes or hear it in your voice. <laughs> so I had to ask. I was kind of curious. Okay. Yeah, no, it was because I was about to leave. And Talking she, with grandma about sex? It's not awkward. Oh, well, first she wanted to share about her stories, and I was like, grandma, no. 
Did she uh, bring out the summer sausage and start rubbing <laughs> it in her hands? Like, no. I no, like no. to cuddle with it when I sleep. No, that was, and I know you're referencing the gift that you sent me one year <laughs> for my birthday. Oh, that's right. I did. I did send you a summer sausage. And you had no idea who it came from. I had I no forgot idea. To put my name on yeah. It. <laughs> and then it was like maybe six months later, hey, did you ever get my sausage? And I was like, that was you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was delicious. So that's interesting that there are a lot of parallels. And I think a lot of the fact that I struggled to identify with religion growing up was because it wasn't as consistent for me. Mm-hmm. And it didn't sound like it was very consistent for you. I, I went to Catholic school my whole life. I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to eighth grade. Okay, I went through 12th, so senior year, was, was, I was the chains were broken. I was still involved in the church in high school because of going through confirmation. And then a lot of the kids at my oh, high school yeah. were at my church too, so there, there was still a lot of overlap. But it all started to change, I think after I was confirmed. Then I kind of started going, you know, deviating. And that was like around the time, when did the whole Internet priest, came out? Oh, <laughs> priest molestation uh, stuff happened. When the internet came out. <laughs> Did it really? I think it coincided with widespread use of like internet media. But the transfer of information, yeah. Um, let's say, God, it had to be in high school, huh? Yeah, give or take. And then, you know, I also had friends that started coming out to me in high school and letting me know like this is their, their, their life choices. And uh, I started having issues with, you know, there's core principles in, in Catholicism and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not to be judging people or to shun people because of their beliefs or how they live their life. How they live their life. Yeah. And I had, <laughs> I had issues with, you know, friends being shunned by either parents or their faith or their church. Because of what they, you know, because they of, are, because of who they are. And that's when I started kind of taking a step back and really analyzing what, what was important to me, what I wanted in in my faith, and if I just wanted to kind of pick and choose what I, I partook in, right? And if I kept everything except for the congregation, I was happy, you know, because it just mm-hmm. laid down the foundation of right. living a, what, how to strive to live a righteous life. I don't think I've ever lived a righteous life. I try to, but, you know. No, it's very hard to do it. And the fundamental un- underlying theme for almost every religion that I've studied, um, and this was just because of force, more or less. Um, studying other religions or studying Catholicism? Is studying other religions. When was when was that in high school? Really? Yeah, they made us take a world world religions class and write a paper on each religion. That's interesting. So we had to research each religion. At least my teacher did. I heard the other teacher for the other like class. He had like three sections, and uh, my teacher had one or two. He let them off super easy, like they didn't have to do shit. We had to do all the rigor. Anyway, well, maybe maybe they knew that you were in that class in. They wanted to punish to, me, yeah. 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 They wanted to put me through the ringer. <laughs> they felt like understanding other religions would make you appreciate your religion more. And I think it actually made me appreciate other religions more. Yeah. Because it gave me a fundamental understanding that these are all the same. And not yes. necessarily appreciate under other religions, but appreciate the fact that the inherent core principles are what you should live by and not any foundational... Um, or any uh, um, auxiliary teachings or any supplementary books or texts or learnings and translations and perceptions, that that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. To, like you said, to be a good person, you need to do one fundamental thing. And Buddhism preaches the same fucking thing in 37 different lines. Yeah. Practice what you preach and treat others with respect and dignity. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. 
But foundationally speaking, for me growing up, religion was very a very integral part of my childhood. My grandfather on my dad's side, uh, my dad's dad, used to take me to church every day with him. We'd go every day, every day, and I think this was up until I was like five or six. We'd go to church, and we'd go to the YMCA to swim afterward, and then we go in the sauna. So you went for full time. He yeah. took you. Yeah, I, my dad, my mom would be without me for hours. I guess it was great for them. Were you like a pain in the ass kid or were you like no, a pretty good kid? I, I guess it was pretty good. I don't know. I never heard any negative reports, but it was family. They're not going to say anything bad at that point. Uh, Especially were. my grandfather. My grandfather, I was named after him. Uh, I was his namesake, so I was his favorite. Well, according to my father. <laughs> um, Sorry, cousin Lito. <laughs> a lot of my cousins. I don't know why I said Lito. I just thought that was a very a random Arabic name. <laughs> Is it really? No, it's not Arabic at all. I was, I was playing into it. <laughs> I was going to give it to you. And you <laughs> I got you too excited. It. Sorry. Um, none of my other cousins lived in San Francisco. Oh, I was why. the only one, yeah. too. That's kind of why I was a default favorite. But I was his namesake. So he'd take me to church, and I'd be the kid that brought the offerings, the cash, up to the altar. Oh, that's cool. And the priest knew me, and everyone in the congregation knew me. And it was daytime mass. Yeah. Hardly anyone was there. You'd have like maybe 50 people and they were all fucking senior citizens, right? Yeah. And they'd love me. They'd come pinch my cheeks and all that, grab my ass. Uh, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> where is this story going? Where, who was grabbing you and where again? This? Show me on the doll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he actually has a doll. Um, <laughs> I do not. This <laughs> It's a fungal pop toy. <laughs> this was my life for like two, two three years. Really? That's all I knew. And I would go through the motions because I didn't know what the fuck was going on, right? It would be in Arabic and English. Oh, wow. You would, oh, you would go to Mass in Arabic. Arabic and English, yeah. And it was, it was different. It was just very different. And the only reason why it meant so much to me was because it meant a lot to my grandfather. When my grandfather passed, passed away. How old were you when he passed? Uh, 10. Oh, wow. 90. God. Yeah. Maybe. Eight. How how old was he when he passed? 60s. Oh, wow. He young. was young. Yeah, very young. Now, coming to realize that, yeah. But he, he was pretty bad. Uh, very bad. Habits? Habits and health, yeah. Just mm. coming from a third world country here. Mm -hmm. But he held on to that religion. That was his foundation. Mm -hmm. Even till his dying breath, you know. Wow, well, not true, but very close to his dying breath. It was all about religion for him. And the significance behind that was that there was a lot of deeply rooted things going on with him that I couldn't really put my finger on. So when I go to ask my dad about, you know, what, what all this stuff was about, he dismissed it as, uh, it was just my crazy father. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, that's not what I was looking for, dad. I yeah. was looking for more of an answer. Like, why was he like that? What made him tick? Mm -hmm. But quite honestly, there weren't a whole lot of stories. And my grandmother died before we could really get all that information out. Did they die within like months of each other? Or? No, years. Okay. I think she died 10 years later. So she lived on. Mm. I can't imagine they were too close. But she did love them. But yeah. it, it was very like, uh, it was more of a, I will follow you to the end of the earth. But uh, I'm not not like in love with you. It's more companionship. Interesting. I think. My... Uh, so long story short, my uncle that took my mom in when she was 18 lived next door to his in-laws, Pete and Blasita. And they have this amazing story of they met each other one time, corresponded through letters, and then saw each other again on their wedding day. 
right? So the whole courting process happened via mail. Took months, years? I think months, maybe maybe a year or so. I'm sure they saw each other, and I'm I'm probably killing the story. But anyway, they saw each other. They got married, and they you know, they they lived. They had two kids, the whole nine. They lived next door to their their, their youngest, their daughter, which was my aunt. And when when Blasita passed away, Pete passed away. I think within two to three months afterwards, just they said he just died of a broken heart, which was like the most like endearing. They went everywhere together, holding hands until the last day. Like it was a very sweet, loving couple. And it's something that like. Not to say it's like one of those. No, I guess it is one of those things that like you you strive to have that kind of relationship. Right. But like to have that as as a child and see that as normal. Then you see like when when things are cold and 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 people are not like that. It's like wow, that's such a foreign concept to not because my family is very affectionate. Mm. My entire extended family. And then you know like even the other day we were at uh, my aunt Sally's house, which was their daughter, and my tia Sally pretty much played the role of grandmother in my life, uh, it, even though I had grandmothers just because she was kind of there and we all huddled up on one couch all all you know me my cousin her daughters and just watching tv i mean there's other places to sit but we just all like to be in each other's space (laughs) (laughs) it's awkward for me yeah i i I get in your space a lot i know do you i think so i don't think so i think you can get my space more okay (laughs) (laughs) but going back to the foundations right and it's super random story but that is um i i I bring it up because there are certain things that some families you pick up on just from being in the presence of them and there's some things that you don't get and and that's Mm. been a theme in my life because both my parents come from uh very different upbringings right okay from you know, some some abuse, some very dysfunctional relationships, and and they both had the presence of mind to know, okay, this is what I don't want in my relationship or in my life moving forward. And it's a very interesting to know that they had that kind of conversation and presence of mind in their twenties before they got married, which which now thinking about it, it's probably why they dated for five years before they got uh, married, right? Well, it, I was about to say it kind of formulation of thought doesn't just have you can't bring that into action right off the bat it takes a lot of work and effort to be conscious of the fact that you don't want those negative influences to actually bleed into your relationship right but i think if it wasn't for my my uncle joe and my aunt sally taking my mom in and her being in that environment which was completely different from how she grew up i think i would be living a very different life today Hmm. and it would be a very different home life right right and so for for that I, I think my mom, I, I know I've never asked her why she was so strong in her faith and her religion because she loves, she loves going to church. She, we don't go as much anymore and I, you know, I probably should get back into it and start taking her. But I, I stepped away just because I felt it was so forced upon me. Okay. Right. But the weird thing is I wanted to do it in my own way. And it's not to say that I completely shun religion or just like, I don't believe there's God because my mom said, she said I don't care what you do as long as you still have a relationship with God. And I think that's just evolved over the years. As I've gotten older, and I think this, when I was 18, first class, I was, it was way in over my head. First class at Riverside was philosophy of six or five, six, philosophy of evil. Huh. And uh, <laughs> did you Why take Why didn't that? I take that course? No, I didn't. It was a great course. Sounds and good. I'm so mad I, I SNC'd it because I didn't think I did well. And then come to find I got my paper back and I had a B and I was like, cause you know, you go through the entire class and you have one paper and it was like that, uh, that, that drop yeah, line in humanities. Week. Yeah. And I, I was just like, I was too scared to like, you know, mess up my first year. Uh, anyway, 
should have stayed in it. Um, I had to write this paper on is man innately good or innately evil? And that's where all the research of like the role that religion plays in societies and social development. Is it really that there is a higher being or a higher God or things that we can't answer? Or is this a construct that was created to instill in people good values and character right. to develop societies? Well, people always take it the next level and abuse it where there's something good there's abuse of that something good right mm -hmm. and by abuse i don't mean like in a negative way well it is a negative way but it's more of uh we've taken it too far now how do we scale it back but people don't realize that it needs to be scaled back they just kind of take it and they take it to the next level you know like those mega churches yeah right? i i don't want to get into it you know you know okay oh, Th there's me. something there's something that i'll get into based off of career-wise, and this is something that me and Cliff butted heads early on. We were working with this artist. We had finished maybe a year and a half worth of work on her album, right? Uh-huh. I and think I remember the story. a week before release, she decides that, you know, she, that she wasn't happy with this work. It didn't represent who she was, and she, and she just we did not want to put it out. And we are just like, okay, well, what are we going to do? We just, you know, did Wasted all this Wasted all that time. Right. Yeah. Then she came back and said, I want to do a contemporary Christian album. And I was just like, okay, this is completely out of my realm. And I'm not entirely sure how it's going to sound or how I'm going to feel about this. I ended up, you know, we did the project and we, I still get calls for people that are interested in this, in her work. That's almost eight, nine years old now. Wow. It was a great album. Once we put it out and we started sending it out, I had an issue with capitalizing off of faith and religion. Right. And, but this is also rooted in my idea of how I did. I, I believe music should be free for the listener, for the consumer. Okay. And we, we make our money off of, you know, the equity we get from the downloads and the streams and all that. I mean, that's a whole different conversation. But for the sake of this, I did not feel comfortable taking it to churches and selling it to them as this could be your new worship music. Oh. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like that. And, and felt cheap. I felt, yeah. You felt cheaper. You felt like it would cheapen the music out. It, I, I felt like we shouldn't be exploiting people's faith. And to me, that was mm. exploitation because, I mean, this was, it was a great project. It was a, sonically still relevant today and probably more progressive than a lot of things that are coming out now in contemporary Christian. But when it, when it came time to getting airplay and, you know, our, our thing was, okay, let's start at the churches and see if they will play it during their services, right? That's an easy way to get the exposure. Our disagreement was we should be charging these churches for, for playing the music. And in my mind, I feel like if, if you feel like music is your thing and you want to praise in this particular way, then that's how you should present it to the world. You shouldn't be looking to capitalize financially off of that, right? Like, I, I don't understand how you have these mega churches. We won't call mega churches, just like these larger churches. No, they're mega that, churches. No, because there are mega churches that you oh, see on TV, talking but we're talking about even just like local churches oh, okay. that are big, but they spend like $10,000 a year on a band. Sorry, sure. Yeah. For service. And I was like, why aren't they just donating their time if they're of faith and they want to give back? But then, you know, there's the argument of like, well, that's how you receive your blessings. You're giving back and then they're blessing you with cash. I was like, okay, so it's just a transaction. In yeah, my, yeah. But I had issues with that. That's and how it's been though. That's how it's been for I the wanted to time. I wanted to change that. Sure. I didn't want to fall into that or, or partake in that kind of exchange. But the world wasn't ready for it. Now you, know, you have Chance the Rapper that put out music for free and he's making you know all these waves, uh, which is great. And I, and I think he's doing things that are progressive, but that's neither here nor there. Going back to... To religion, and that was that was one of the. the this was probably in my 20, 2008, 2000, this was 2009. How old were we in 2009? 20, 23, 24. I think it was 23. I wanted to say 23. So seven, seven years. I you know I just had 
an issue with capitalizing off of people in their faith and capitalizing off the church, right? I don't, this is not including the corruption within the church and how churches are taxed. Like I do not care. I don't care how much money they generate. This is just my personal beliefs in, in, in practicing faith and being a, a man of God, so to speak. Right. But you're not, that's the irony behind it. And, and not to talk shit. No, no, no. I'm going to challenge you right now. Okay. Cause I'm not either. Yeah. And I know for a fact that in order to call yourself a man of God, and I'm going to play a devil's advocate here because yeah, it's fun. Do. You have to actually practice and partake. Do you actively practice? Do you actively pray? Do you actively read? Do you actively educate yourself on the subject of religion? For the checklist for many churches, like I, I mean, I know people that have to do attendance when they go to church. For the checklist, no. I do not fit the bill. Fuck the church checklist. What about the fundamental core elements of Christianity, which call out that you just have to do good, practice good, say good, be good, all these things that are inherent, inherently against a human character. Mm-hmm. Do you do them? Do you actively participate? Do you actively strive to be a better person? I want to say yes. And then I, I think about the reality. Um, no, I, I, I think specific <laughs> situations where, you know, I'm walking through downtown on Saturday right. and, and some dude asked me for some money and I was just like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have it. This is manipulation, sidewalk manipulation. I'm, I'm just saying like a, is an example. What else? Uh, Go I, deeper. I've always struggled with the idea of like, you know, you got to see the God in you, right? There, that, a lot, a lot of it's in hip hop references. Let me, let me finish. I'll get to the point. I know you already want to jump in. Calm down. <laughs> I, so going, going into the, like what you're asking about with this whole, like how you identify with religion and, and whatnot. It actually didn't start making sense for me till this year, seeing the God in you. And it's not so much that individually we are God, but it's, it's to see yourself living a righteous life and, and living the life of, you know, good, as you said earlier. Yeah. I yeah. think, I think that has, I just did not make that kind of connection with it. I took it as like kind of a, a vain approach, like trying to see yourself as. By the book? By the book approach? Yeah. Versus, uh, I suppose. Opposed to like a more, because it wouldn't even be by the book. It would be more so. You know, it, that to me, it sounded and I interpreted it as not so much as an organized religion, religion, but a faith in your, you know, and rooted in self and, and right, not right, self-righteousness, but a righteous path. And it's all self-based. I wasn't connecting the dots in the phrase of, you know, see the God in me or see the, see the God in us as a way to stay centered and make better decisions yeah. in how you navigate life. Mm-hmm. I just didn't see it that way. I see it, saw it as like, that's a very bold and arrogant statement that's like taking another God in vain or whatever the case is. Or, I don't think anybody sees it that way though. I, I did. I'm just saying I did. Mm-mm. No, I mean, I don't think anybody sees it as like, hey, I'm just trying to do good. No one's, I, okay, not to say no one, that's a pretty harsh generalization, but there's hardly a lot of people who are actually devout see religion as a way to be a good person. They see religion as more like putting in my time so I don't go to hell. I still feel like that's a fucking case. A part of your subconscious has to tell you that. You know what? This is my religion. This is why I believe. Yeah. It's not because of uh, I'm, I'm a good person because we know you, your statement earlier from personal experience. We've lived it. You said this, and, and I agree with it 100%. I could do with that with everything that has to do with religion minus the congregation. Mm-hmm. If you took the congregation out of the equation, I struggle saying that word. But if you took the congregation out of the equation, 
religion would be flawless almost. Uh, I wouldn't say flawless because man <laughs> created it, right? Still. It is a construct of man, regardless who you believe in or what you believe. It's hard to accept something when you have a lot of people showing you the contrary the minute the priest walks off the altar or out of his sacred space, whatever. Mm-hmm. Very tough. Yeah. Because you're literally hearing, this is how you're good. Do this and this and this, or, or words to live by, right? An example and a story to reference an example. And going out the door and doing the exact fucking opposite no less than five minutes after. It doesn't make any sense. And it just really deflates the whole, you know, and that's what it was to me. It deflated the experience. It was like, well, I just got out of there feeling really good about life and really good about humanity and really good about myself, only to walk out that door and have that completely unravel within minutes because of... uh, Because of humanity. Because of the congregation, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I, I think for me, that's why I struggled with it. Um, because I saw teachers in, in school, in high school, doing the exact opposite. And they were standing there right next to me, doing the sign of the cross and saying all this, uh, you know, saying prayer and listening and uh, getting at us because we're, you know, talking. It could be topical, it could be non topical. They wouldn't know, but we're talking in the middle of fucking mass. And they would turn and say, no, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be quiet because this is mess. And then they'd go and they'd talk shit about their fellow coworker or they talk shit about a student or, you know, they... You're saying this from when you were a peer of the teachers, not as a student, right? No, as a student. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, come on, man. High school. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I went through elementary, junior high. I wasn't... Yeah, no. I mean, even in high school, you had teachers fucking talk shit about each other in, in I class. Really catch no? it. No. Yeah, okay. I guess... I went to a very gossipy high school, but regardless, <laughs> and this wasn't in front of the whole class, mind you, it was like clubs and, you know, extracurriculars. So you'd have these Christians or Catholics playing non-Christian Catholic roles. It was very troubling for me. I had a hard time understanding it. And it was like, well, even with my parents, you know, they'd do a lot of the opposite. I was like, well, what does it boil down to if people that are going are just going and just going for the sake of going or salvation or whatnot? What's the fucking point? Why I fell out of it was was primarily uh, the other reason was because it was forced down my fucking throat mm-hmm. for eighteen years of my life, not eighteen years of my life, say like fifteen 13, years, yeah. thirteen, fifteen, whatever. Ever since kindergarten, yeah, to twelfth grade. I mean, that's a long time, yeah. right? And just to go at it without anyone coming and approaching it from a very realistic standpoint. It's like, this is how you become a better person, not necessarily a better Christian or a better Catholic, just a better person. But they always approach it from the, from the perspective of religion. Mm-hmm. And that bothered me because no one can do these things. No one is a perfect person. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's impossible. It's not in our nature as humans. We always want to do something devious or something that goes against what we're taught. Yeah. I mean, it's temptation, right? So what's your relationship with religion now or your faith now? Because you talk a lot about the meditation, going to Buddhist temple. You've never mentioned going to mass. No, I don't. Do you identify still as Catholic? I got married as Catholic. I don't know if my kids are going to be baptized. Still waiting. My son is... Is your wife Catholic? No. She's Christian, though. Okay. Because there is a difference between Christian and Catholic. Yeah. And... um, there is 
I guess I'm having this internal struggle whether or not I want to get them baptized. Hmm. What does it mean? What does it mean anymore? It's just a sacrament. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of them joining the Catholic Church. Yeah. That's really what it is, right? It, yeah, because for us it, in Catholicism, confirmation is when you are of the age to be able to decide on your own whether decide or not on your you own. want to partake Which in, in religion. In most Christian re- re- faiths, that's what baptism is, is you decide to come to. They all happen at the same time. Baptism, First Communion, and Confirmation. Mm. For some people, I, I, I forget the name yeah, for, for it. For when, they're, for when they're older, but I'm talking about like oh, you have dedications, yeah. dedication versus baptism, confirmation versus baptism. Yeah, right. Because yeah. that's I see the contrast that you're is, going. Is what for, I'm right? talking about. Yeah. But for you, like you know, for me right now, that's the struggle. Um, I do go and partake in Buddhist ceremonies and stuff like that and teachings, but that's mainly for spiritual enlightenment. The one thing that I've taken away from the interactions with a lot of the people that go to this center is that do not jump into this too fast. Do not get in over, uh, get ahead of yourself because this is not a religion that will just come and it's easy to understand. It's very complex because there are many people who interpret it in different ways. The one key learning, no matter who's teaching it, it could be one of the highest authorities in Buddhism, right? The second seat from the Lama, the, the Dalai Lama. They, their message is clear. Hear the message. Listen to the stories. Listen to the teachings and take away from it what you will and what it means to you. You don't necessarily need to understand things the way that we say them. Just understand. So would you say that you've taken your time with it? Or is this something? Yeah. Okay. I I would. I haven't even rushed into it. I've gotten a few books on my shelf that I've been meaning to read, but I haven't read. Okay. Because I want to really just learn it. Like like I started the, the conversation off with, I'm discovering something new on my own every time. I read these things mm. and that doesn't happen with a lot of people because a lot of people don't necessarily take the time to read. So what's your relationship with your faith now? Is it shifted? Is it, is it moved on to a new belief system or is it still kind of a adaptation process where you're, you know, you still take some things that you've, you've embraced and enjoy about Catholicism and, and, and now mixing it with things that you like from Buddhism or have you completely shunned your, your upbringing because it was forced upon you. Like, where do you stand with all that? The great part about religion, if you're going to approach it from that standpoint, I guess I can't really say that I've shunned anything that I've grown up with because it is very much a part of every other religion. I've just taken a belief system that applies to me and what I like to hear, which is casual, at your pace, take it as you will, and not forceful, like, this is the word of God, take mm-hmm. it or leave it yeah. kind of thing, you know? But I've taken the, the wholesome aspects and integrated that into my life. So right now, I guess it's kind of a hybrid. Mm-hmm. In high school, really quick, I didn't have a belief system. It was more like, you know, fuck everything. <laughs> but I'm learning. I'm learning and I'm reading and I'm educating. Now it's like I need something to kind of center me. And this is what I use it for, mm-hmm. centering calm, meditative, reflective, getting to know myself. Going back to what I mentioned earlier, 30s is a lot of that. I feel it's a lot of getting to know myself 
and my journey and how I'm going to spend the next 30, 40 years of my life. Yeah. What about you? I think I wanted nothing to do with it for a while and growing up with, with very much the same, right? Just because it was so constricting and it didn't, right. it didn't align with my personal beliefs, but I, I started to change my attitude when Pope Francis came into prominence and, you know, following him on Twitter of all places nice. and, and just seeing how his outlook and, and how progressive he is and, and the stance he takes Understanding, even though he is in the most holiest of roles within the Catholic Church, he still knows that he is not the person that is going to be placing judgment. He is only a vessel of sorts. And he is really deeply rooted in this idea, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. Openness. You know? Openness, yeah. And so I've, I've come, I've been more comfortable to, to identify with that, but I don't feel comfortable in identifying because I'm not devout if that makes sense. Yeah. But the core principles yeah. are still it, there and it, I enjoy, and I, I can th see there that. was one night, man, this, this had to been years ago. I don't know why me and Cliff were, you know, we had been out, we were drinking a little bit and we were talking about faith and I asked him to drive me to my church. <laughs> and I just wanted to be, uh, sit outside for a little bit and just kind of like, just be there. Cause I hadn't been there in a while. And this, so this, the church is also where I went to elementary school. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't go in or anything, but there's benches outside that you kind of just sit there. And I think churches are always open, right? I didn't tech. I just didn't want to go inside, but I just wanted to be present. First time in a long time. And I remember I just got a little teary-eyed when I was there, and I just didn't know why. And I was like, all right, take me home. Nostalgia, maybe? <laughs> Probably. But, you know, it, it's like one of those one of those things where, for, for me, you say it's it's a centering thing for you, and I think I kind of agree with that. But for me, it's, it's something I, I default to when I... I cannot figure anything out on my own. If I'm struggling with a decision, if I'm at odds with where I'm at, if I'm kind of looking for, you know, an outside perspective from myself, you know, taking that time to really sit back. And it's almost like within meditation, it's, it's a form of prayer for me. And those, those are, that's kind of where I go with yeah. it. And, and I, I think that's, that's where I'm at. And I, thinking about where I'd want my family to be and my children to be, I'd want them to make their own decisions about it, but I'd want to expose them to what have I, what I, what I'd want to expose them to what I have experienced. I just don't know how soon I'd want to break the news to them about the negatives in it. <laughs> you know? I, I think you got to let them figure it out on their own. Really? Yeah. I mean, the world will do that real quick, but I, th I think that's a very good point. And, that's really the only way to approach religion. For me, it's it's funny. I can't approach something where I have to go to someone else, and that's just my pride or something else even, my pride or my stubbornness to accept the fact that someone else could have the answer and I don't. Going back to a couple episodes, I guess, I like to win. Mm -hmm. It's my life strategy. If I can't come up with an answer, devise some kind of formulated response as to what I'm going through, I struggle with that because I'm a very logical person. I'm an engineer. That's my default mindset. Mm -hmm. I guess I was kind of hardwired like this throughout college. And that gave me some kind of foundational resilience mm -hmm. against religion. And now I've kind of come about with kids because you need to exercise a fuckload of patience yeah. and understanding beyond what you're able to resolve on your own. Mm -hmm. I think now I'm kind of turning an about face and saying, okay, well, what, what, what's out there? 
And I think that's kind of why, because the, I've known that this Buddhist center has been here for years, uh, a couple of years now. I, I think it moved uh, recently, but I could have gone and I've been looking and, and talking about it for years and I never went. Mm-hmm. I think it was a mixture of fear, apprehension and going back to a structured organism or, or going back to a structured organization. Yeah. And after finding out what it really embodies, I'm, man, I, I've invited you to come. You know, I want you to kind of see it for yourself and yeah, see what it's, it's all just, about because it's different. It's so, so fucking different. It's so early. It's refreshing. And it's so far away. But yeah, I do. I am interested in kind of seeing what it's about. I, I, I just distinctly remembered. I don't know why I thought about, you know, the intersection behind campus, behind the dorms. Was that Watkins and Blaine? Uh, Watkins and Big Springs? Big Springs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a Catholic church up there. I think going to Big Spring, so past the yeah, UBE by the pool, by the pool. Yeah, it's a big outdoor public pool. I didn't know that. Yeah, jeez, mm-hmm. missed out. Anyway, I went there. It was probably after I uh, voted there. Oh, really? Yes, you used to be able to vote there. I voted closed it down. No, I voted right by. Um, well, I did absentee balloting, but one year I I did it by across you from Stonehaven. Yep, they had it there too. Yeah, it's a different church. I didn't go to that one. I went to the one behind campus because yes. I think that's a Catholic church. And I went right after my friend Ray had passed away, right? Now, that was the first time I'd been in church, like, throughout college. And then I tried to go again for, like, Easter because he had passed away in April, right? So then I tried to go in. And the priest went on this, like, lecture about how, why no one, you know, we have such a great chance today. Why aren't you here every Sunday? You know, all these people that are only here just for the, for the, the, the highlights of the church. And I, just, I just walked out and never went back. Yeah, that's and kind I, of off-putting. I was just like, thanks for uh, being so inviting. Yeah. Well, the funny part about that is they need attendance in order to propagate and, and proliferate their message. I guess propagate was the wrong word to use, but proliferate their message. I got in your head huh, with all my propagation. <laughs> it, it is an evil empire of sorts, and they've done a lot of bad in the past, which a lot of religions have, most religions have, uh, even Buddhism. And it's one of those things where you don't realize it, but every religion that you are a part of or are following has a very sullied history or has dark points. Yeah. But they all manage to overcome Christianity and Catholicism are so new that it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. But all religion comes from the same place. Yeah. All of it, despite what you may think or what you may hear or what you may read. Yeah, man. So get at us. Why do you follow a particular religion? How do you follow it? Or why have you stopped? Why have you stopped? How often do you do it? If you kind of do it every now and then, or are you regular? And what does it mean to you? Yeah, or if it just looks different now. And I think the thing I'm most curious about is if you have children, how do you present it to them? Are you letting them make their own decision? Are you kind of holding their hand through it? And getting them used to the idea, or are you just kind of not doing anything with it? <laughs> Throwing them in the deep end. Yeah. But it'll be interesting to hear what people have to say. Did I tell you I actually got a text, uh, not text, someone added me on Instagram and then sent me a message saying, hey, thanks for making me not feel so bad about not having kids. Oh. The, the Fear Your Parent episode. <laughs> that's good. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's all we got for today. Turk, where can the people yell at you at? You can yell at me at Turg says no on Instagram and Twitter. And what about you, Randy? You can find me anywhere and everywhere at I am Randy C.
Thank you for subscribing to another episode of Talk Dirty to Me. We hope you enjoy it and continue to share it with friends. Make sure you stop by our website at talk30to.me.com for more content and information about the podcast. Rate us on iTunes, and if you really like what you hear, make sure you hit that donate button. Really appreciate it. For Talk Theory to Me, I'm Turg. And I'm Randy Z. Peace. So I had this uh, journal entry. So there's this, uh, oh, this is actually pretty good because it has to do with religion. So you want to use it, just fly it. I'm already recording, but I want to just paint the picture of you have your bullet junior in your hand like you're reading the gospel right now. What else? Uh, Go deeper. (laughs) Deeper, Randy. Uh, Show me your fears. That's all getting cut out. That was disgusting. It was trying to be Star Wars, but I don't think that came from it. It did. Could have been Emperor Palpatine. Possibly. Um, My uncle is my my grandmother's brother. Oh, you refer to him as an uncle. Yeah, even though he's technically a great uncle. He would be a great uncle. Right, but that was my Theo Joe. He's the one that taught me how to change the oil in the car. Taught me that, you know, he's the one that he bought a house for four thousand dollars. The one where the one hundred and five freeway was. He bought the house and paid the additional five dollars. So nine thousand dollars. He bought a house and it had had it moved since that the plot in Santa Ana. My, my uh, Pete and Lasita had had a huge lot. He put it right next door. Oh shit. And then he built the other three bedrooms. So he built the master suite, the den, and like this huge bathroom with a jacuzzi back in like what, the 50s, 60s. For $9,000. And he built this entire ship by hand, right? Fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Sold it for five eighty at the height of the market a few years ago when he passed away. I just peeked out. Like crazy. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear it. Shut up.